Hi, I'm Jessica Burnton, Director of Congressional Affairs at AJC. History has shown that anti-Semitism doesn't just threaten Jews. It threatens the foundation of democratic societies. From the biggest corporations to the sole social media user, we must all take a stand against hate. I work with both chambers of Congress, across the aisle, to confront this hate. We have championed legislative efforts and advocated for robust funding for the State Department's office to monitor and combat anti-Semitism. Our commitment to combating Jew hatred is more urgent than at any time in recent memory. Your support strengthens AJC's critical work confronting anti-Semitism head-on, opening doors to and for Israel, promoting democratic values, and empowering young Jewish leaders. To give a gift before the end of the year, please visit AJC.org donate, or you can text AJC donate to 52886. That's AJC space donate to 52886. Every dollar you donate will be doubled. You can also find this information in our show notes. Hello, and welcome to People of the Pod, brought to you by American Jewish Committee. Each week, we take you beyond the headlines to help you understand what they all mean for America, Israel, and the Jewish people. I'm your host, Manya Brashear-Pashman. Last week, we asked listeners to share their Hanukkah rituals. Do they inflate a six-foot dreidel in their yard, light a menorah in the window, fry latkes, or, like me, eat donuts with reckless abandon and deal with the consequences later? Here's what some of you had to say. Hello, my name is Laura Meltzer, and I am from New York City. On Hanukkah, I always love using my dashend menorah. It's a gift um, I was given a few years ago. I haven't always been super religious in my life, not until recently. Ironically enough, I started working at a convent and seeing the nuns being so in touch with the religion has inspired me to be more in touch with Judaism. So this year, every single night, I'm doing the prayers, lighting the menorah, and I'm going to attempt to make my first latkes on Friday. Hi, this is Nicole from Washington, D.C., and I decorate a lot for the holidays, for this time of year, for Hanukkah. And this comes from, I grew up in a mixed religion household with a mother who decorated for every single holiday, but particularly the winter Christmas Hanukkah. And slowly over the years, I've taken up that tradition, but it really took off in the COVID years with needing some extra cheer in 2020. And now my home has everything from winter to Christmas to Hanukkah, And I do a full house turnover from the kitchen to the bathrooms to the living room and the bedrooms as well. Rabbi Yael Buchler is a rabbi, writer, entrepreneur, and Hanukkah merch maven. She's also a bit of a Hanukkah historian who has tracked how the Festival of Lights helped reinvent Jewish culture in America and how it became a gift-giving occasion alongside Christmas. 
She recently wrote a column in the Forward about the disturbing trend to paint Christmas merch blue and white and appropriate Christmas greetings as a way of proclaiming Hooray for Hanukkah. Rabbi Buchler is with us now to talk about just how far we should take that parallel and why. Rabbi Buchler, welcome to People of the Pod and happy Hanukkah. Chag Sameach to you as well. So before we talk about the fun possibilities, the faux pas that are out there when it comes to decorating or shopping or celebrating Hanukkah, I'd like for you to walk us through kind of the history of Hanukkah and its commercialization here in America, kind of starting with some of the ads that originally ran in the foreword, which was the original Yiddish newspaper for European Jewish immigrants. Absolutely. So when the immigrants arrived to this country, the early 1900s, Hanukkah had to play catch up. And in order for gift giving to really become popularized among the Jewish immigrant population, there were a number of Jews already here, but that number really increased in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Immigrants needed to find ways to really become real Americans. And in order to do that, they needed to increase the relevance of Hanukkah. So one of the earliest Um, gifts for Hanukkah that I came across was in a 1902 ad in the forwards. As a hobby, I study Yiddish and English advertisements, particularly connected to Hanukkah and, um, and the origins of gift giving. And this particular ad in 1902 was, if you buy this much tea or this much coffee, you'll get, you know, some free Hanukkah gifts included. So that was the earliest ad. And then my next favorite ad was actually 1920 in the Fauverts that was for perfume or dental cream. The perfume was for grownups and the dental cream was for kids to give us Hanukkah gifts. So early on, a lot of fun encouragement. So how did the birth of the modern state of Israel in 1948 change that or maybe even add fuel to the Hanukkah flame? For example, what what kinds of changes did we see in the kind of merchandise or kind of opportunities that were out there for the Jewish community? So initially, the Hanukkah gifts were really any kind of merchandise give as a gift. And then suddenly it was more advertisements for use this Americanized ingredients, like use baking powder in your cooking for your Hanukkah meal, or use pancake flour in your latke cooking, and latkes were not typically made with pancake flour. So once that occurred, and then we had the birth of the state of Israel, suddenly you see a lot more modern merchandise that really allowed American Jews to feel like they were bringing a more modern aesthetic to their homes. And that's really when we see the initial Hanukkiot, which many of us refer to as menorahs. There were forged brass menorahs. There were musical menorahs, which played Hatikva and Rock of Ages, as the advertisements exclaimed. So there was this surge with the birth of the state of Israel in Jewish identity in America, and we see that through merchandise for Hanukkah. I am so glad that my children have not discovered these musical menorahs and brought them into my home yet, because I can imagine that would drive me absolutely insane. Unfortunately, that has occurred in my home, and we also have the Hanukkah microphones and Hanukkah piano and Hanukkah robot. So there are a number of devices that play Hanukkah music year-round in our home. Oh, I bet it's year-round. Oh, boy. (laughs) Okay. So then the late 1980s come around, and Hanukkah becomes much more visible. This is when you see the ginormous 
menorahs in the public squares, right? And then is this when the retailers kind of pick up on the opportunities here to market some of these ritual objects and accoutrements of Hanukkah? So the 1980s is really when we see this next step in the growth for the Hanukkah marketplace. It really coincided with the birth of the millennial generation and a very child-centered era. And so we see a lot of Hanukkah stickers. We see the sparkly dreidels with candy inside. We see some Hanukkiyot that were more child-centered. And the wholesalers, which were Judaica wholesalers owned by Jews, were finally being able to infiltrate the national retailer market. And that was that was an early start. They started really the late 1980s, early 90s in having Hanukkah displays in national brands. For example, Bloomingdale's was one of the early national brands to take in a Hanukkah display. And that definitely coincided also with increasing comfort in the public domain. There was also the 1989 Supreme Court decision to allow the Hanukkah to be alongside a Christmas tree in the public square. Okay, so is this good? Is this bad? Is this all just happening because it's the Christmas season? Let's talk about the pros and cons of this. I love that Hanukkah has found its place in America. It definitely needed to establish itself in the winter landscape. And I really do think that any increase in public Hanukkah celebrations and an increase in Hanukkah merchandise enables Jews to have more excitement about their own identities. Even though it's just a minor holiday, because I know a lot of people that that's their gripe, right? Is that, oh, we just do this just so that we can compete with Christmas, but it's really just a minor holiday on the Jewish calendar. It's making too much of something. As a rabbi, I think of any holiday as a really exciting opportunity to celebrate Judaism. And I don't consider Hanukkah a minor holiday at all. I think it's actually a very major holiday, particularly for American Jews. And that's also spreading worldwide. So for me, I really think that any excitement and opportunity for engagement with Hanukkah is good for the Jewish people and good for our identity. So I bought my entire family, myself included, matching Hanukkah pajamas this year uh, for the first time. And I really, really love it myself. I love it when the kids and I get into our PJs. My husband has yet to do it, but um, (laughs) join the fun. But I'm curious kind of what you guys do. So we've been wearing our Hanukkah pajamas since basically Rosh Hashanah nightly. And that's also because I designed Hanukkah pajamas. So this was the first year I designed a set of Hanukkah pajamas. And for my kids, especially, I have two young children, when they are wearing their holiday-themed pajamas, I also designed Shabbat pajamas recently as well, there is a newfound excitement for them in celebrating their own Judaism, and it really sets a tone for them and their own identities. So again, I am pro any Hanukkah pajamas as long as the Hebrew is correct and the phrasing is not for Christmas. Okay, so let's get into that. Have you encountered pajamas, ugly sweaters, other things by which retailers have tried to market Hanukkah, but they get it all wrong. I've got three words for you. Happy holidays. I think that Hanukkah does have so much to offer. There are so many themes of light, of Maccabees, of miracles, and 
For me, it is unfortunate when retailers think of what I consider inappropriate phrases for the holidays, including oi to the world. Ah, okay. All right. So oi to the world, happy holidays. I saw something, have a matzah ball of a good time or something like that. So just kind of just generic Jewish terms, throwing those onto something blue and white and calling it Hanukkah merch. Yeah, blue and white definitely sells better in the marketplace. Again, as a maker of Judaica, that is absolutely true. That doesn't mean that all Hanukkah merchandise needs to be blue and white. I happen to be wearing a Hanukkah sweater right now made by a company called Geltfiend, and it's multicolor. It's actually called Dreidel Tooth, which is a play on houndstooth print. But there's so many options for authentic, vibrant, modern Hanukkah merchandise. What about Happy Lamaka? How do you feel about that? Happy Lamaka is growing on me. There's an entire Hanukkah animal universe that has really expanded this year in particular. We've got penguins, llamas, moose, you name it. And there's so many opportunities. And for me, that really connects to the children. Even Target came out with a lion-themed Hanukkah pajama line. So there is so much that connects kids and animals. And for me, we say that we elevate in holiness each night of the holiday of Hanukkah. And that is a full elevation in Hanukkah holiness. (laughs) So you studied Midrash in school, correct? Can you tell our listeners what exactly that means? And then what did you do with that study of Midrash? Midrash is a rabbinic creative interpretation of many of the stories in the Torah. There are sometimes gaps in Torah stories, and so Midrash helps to fill in those gaps. You know, what happened to Abraham before we knew him as Abraham? And there's a Midrash that talks about how he broke the idols in his dad's shop. So there's a lot of room for interpretation in the Torah, and Midrash is a creative vehicle with which to do that. And so how have you taken creative approaches to teaching some of these Jewish teachings and texts and Talmud to students because you work at a Jewish school now. And I'd like for you to share with our listeners kind of some of the creative things you've done. So I founded something called Midrash Manicures, where I teach students the Torah portion of the week, and then they can paint nail art based on themes that we covered during the Torah portion learning. And I started doing that myself when Before nail art was really cool, so I've been doing this since basically the 90s. Nail art is now pretty big in America. But for students of all ages to have a chance to creatively depict their own Torah learning on their fingernails is an incredibly powerful experience. And it also takes a general experience and creates a religious component for it, which I think is really incredible. Can you give me an example of kind of what you mean by painting Torah portions on your fingernails? Sure. So for example, we recently read the story in the Torah of Joseph and the amazing Technicolor dream coat. And so to be able to print rainbow colors on your fingernails after reading the story or to document his own journey from being a very well-liked son to, you know, being in the pit and finally regaining status in Egypt. And so different scenes on different fingernails can depict that journey. You wrote recently a column in The Forward about shopping for Hanukkah merchandise with your children. You really wanted to show them that, you know, this is a time to show Jewish pride. Why? Why this season of all seasons? My family and I live in a neighborhood that has unfortunately experienced much anti-Semitism over the past several years. And thank God we have a lot of police presence in our neighborhood. 
recently, one of my kids asked why there were fireworks outside our window. It was actually police lights flashing because of a situation. And I think for me, I always try to shelter my kids from as much as possible. And it was important for me to find a way as a parent to slowly teach them that it's totally acceptable to be a Jew publicly in America. And so we started small. Most of my kids were at home during the pandemic. So we slowly started going to stores recently and I would take them to stores and they would start to look for Hanukkah merchandise. And that for me was a way of modeling for them that you really can be a Jew in America. And, you know, Netflix might not be the same way. Most of their shows that they watch only have Christmas episodes, so they already are exposed to that. So I wanted to find another way to say, well, actually, Hanukkah is really out there. I was driving down a street where we live recently, and my daughter actually asked me, Mom, do Christians decorate for Hanukkah, even if they're not Jewish? And I said, no, generally, generally not. She said, Mom, I just saw an inflatable menorah in someone's yard. I think they're Jewish. (laughs) And I, I thought, we should have an inflatable menorah in our yard. I love that idea. But what is your thought on inflatables? Because really... Tradition is that you display your menorah in the window, right? Should it go beyond that? A hundred percent. I am pro-inflatable anything related to Hanukkah, as long, again, as it has authentic Hanukkah imagery. I would say that when I see Hanukkiot on lawns, when I see this new Dinaka inflatable on a lawn, to me, that's an extension of the Talmudic principle of Pirsume Nisa, which means publicizing the miracle. And yes, that initially was intended for a Hanukkiah in a window or in a public location. But I do think that that really extends to Americanized versions of what it means to publicize your holiday. And in America, publicizing your holiday means lawn displays and even more. What about, you said the Dynaka? What is that? What is that inflatable? Dynaka is new on the market, and the Dynaka is an inflatable dinosaur and wearing a kippa. Again, very friendly. I bought one at the school where I work. I've seen it around town. And again, it goes back to this idea that animals are another way of connecting kids to Hanukkah. I don't see that many Maccabees out there, but I do see a lot of Hanukkah-themed animals. How do you advise people who are just afraid of calling attention to their faith? Well, I think every individual is going to decide what they're comfortable with based on their community and their surroundings. But I would say that even in 1993, when there was anti-Semitism in Billings, Montana, the way the community responded was literally by showing the Judaica. And so electric Hanukkiot were mailed to Montana, and a photographer took a picture of the entire community standing in solidarity with the Jewish community holding their electric menorahs. And so to me, that's a powerful symbol that even in the face of anti-Semitism, which unfortunately seems to be a constant and on the rise, that it's important for us to find ways to sport our Judaism by wearing Hanukkah apparel and more. And that might be in public, outdoors and about. That also might be on social media. And so there's different ways that folks might feel comfortable. I can say that I had a really unique opportunity last week. There is, I don't know if you heard about this, there's a pop-up Hanukkah bar. Uh, No, I have not heard anything about that. So there's a pop-up Maccabee bar at a bar in New York City. And again, I'm usually scrolling Yiddish and English ads, so it's not typical for me to venture out, but I did. And what was really powerful is that 
you know, I went, of course, wearing Hanukkah apparel. I wore an Argyle dreidel dress I had designed. And I was in a sea of other Hanukkah sweaters when entering this bar. And it felt like, A, the fact that a bar can exist in New York City publicly as being a Hanukkah-themed bar, and also to walk inside and say, I'm a part of something much bigger, was really quite inspirational. And to see that before your eyes, not to have to guess or ask, but to just know that your culture is embraced like that. Okay, so we're talking Hanukkah. Do you see other possibilities for merchandise, for marketing, for really publicizing and celebrating other Jewish holidays? Well, I've already started a trend, so I'll say that I'm definitely a part of the influencing movement to merchandise other holidays. This past Passover, I launched matzah pajamas that were my younger son's idea. During the pandemic, I bought him new pajamas for the Seder because I felt like they should wear something. We weren't having any guests, but maybe new pajamas. And one of them was yellow. And so he said, Ima, I want to wear the matzah pajamas. That's cute. And it kind of goes along with the reclining theme of Passover. It fit in with the Passover, you know, late night Seder perfectly. So we launched that this past Passover. And again, it brought new meaning and new merchandise to Passover, but it really increased engagement for kids. Initially, I'd only designed them for children, but a number of grownups actually said we want in as well. Even the Maccabees actually ended up wearing matzah pajamas. So there is already an increase that I'm definitely playing a part of in merchandise for other holidays. You know, I just designed Shabbat pajamas as well, but we see a number of holidays having even more opportunity for end displays in stores and aisles in stores. So we'll see a growing trend at Passover. And one day, my hope, I I love the holiday of Shavuot. I would love to see more Shavuot merchandise. Interesting. Maybe that can be the next trend that you start. (laughs) Rabbi, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation and happy Hanukkah. Thank you. If you missed last week's episode, be sure to tune in for my very different conversations with Hassan Navid, Executive Director of New York City's Office for the Prevention of Hate Crimes, and Mike Boxer, one of the original members of the Jewish a cappella group 613, about their new Hanukkah hit inspired by Elton John. Thank you for listening. This episode is brought to you by AJC. Our producer is Atara Lakritz. Our sound engineer is TK Broderick. You can subscribe to People of the Pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or learn more at AJC.org slash People of the Pod. The views and opinions of our guests don't necessarily reflect the positions of AJC. We'd love to hear your views and opinions or your questions. You can reach us at peopleofthepod at AJC.org. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to tell your friends, tag us on social media with hashtag People of the Pod, And hop on to Apple Podcasts to rate us and write a review to help more listeners find us. Tune in next week for another episode of People of the Pod.